0: for free and confidential advice about alcohol and other drugs call the National Alcohol and Other Drug Hotline on 1800 250 015 for 24-7 crisis support regarding substance abuse, misuse, or addiction. Call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hello, everyone. Today, we are covering cocaine and party culture. Now, I was initially going to cover MDMA in this episode as well, but once I began researching, I realized that there is so much information on both of these drugs, so I'm splitting them up into two episodes. Now, I don't actually remember learning about different drugs during health class in high school, or if we did, I'm just assuming it was what they were and not to do them. I also remember having a big fear around drugs and thinking that only addicts did these kinds of drugs in particular and that they were kind of unheard of in our society. Now growing up like a lot of other people, I found that to be totally untrue. Specifically with drugs like cocaine and MDMA found widespread throughout the festival and clubbing scenes. In fact, according to the National Drug Strategy Household Survey, in 2016 cocaine use for Australian adults was actually at 2.5% and that has risen to 4.2% in 2019. So it is on the rise. And apparently lockdown hasn't changed this at all. So that's why I thought it was important to not only cover these drugs that I'm going to be talking about over the next two episodes, but talk about why they are becoming so popular within our party scene in Australia. So let's talk about cocaine. Cocaine also has plenty of nicknames. So you may have heard it being referred to as Coke, Blow, Charlie, Snow, Sea, Dust, White, Crack, or Rock. So they're just a few of the nicknames that are given to cocaine. Now, where do we get cocaine from? So it's manufactured from the leaves of the coca plant. Now, this is native in South America. In particular, it's found in uh, Peru and Bolivia. And traditionally, the leaves of the coca plant were chewed. However, in 1859, a technique was discovered to extract cocaine hydrochloride from the coca leaves. And that was used as a local anesthetic, so for medical purposes. So just in case anyone's getting confused here, uh, when I talk about hydrochloride or cocaine hydrochloride, this is just cocaine. It's not anything different to the normal white powder that we know as cocaine as the drug. Now, another quick fact, Cocaine was also used as an ingredient in Coca-Cola until 1903. So I know when I was young, I heard that, that, you know, cocaine was in everything and they they put cocaine in everything. It was actually an ingredient in Coca-Cola. Obviously, 1903, quite a long way. away. It's definitely not an ingredient in this day and age. In fact, uh, cocaine is, of course, illegal in Australia and it became that way around 1925. Despite this, in 2019, cocaine was the second most commonly used illicit drug, and it is on the rise. So let's talk about what cocaine actually is. Cocaine is a stimulant drug, so that means that it affects the central nervous system by speeding up the activity of certain chemicals in the brain. So this produces a feeling of increased alertness and reduced fatigue, but I will explain a little bit more about this later on. Cocaine comes in three main forms. So the first is a paste, the second is a powder, which is the most common, or the third is a rock, which is often referred to as crack cocaine. So in Australia, it is most commonly formed into a white or an off-white powder, and that is generally snorted. Now, crack cocaine is much less common in Australia. However, when it is used, it's often smoked or sometimes injected. As with all powder drugs, cocaine is often sold cut or mixed with other substances, which can sometimes be harmful in their own right. So some common substances that cocaine has previously been cut with, uh, number one is lidocaine. So this is a local anesthetic and in high doses, this can cause the heart to stop beating or it can cause you to go into cardiac arrest. It also causes people to feel the same kind of numbness experienced when you take cocaine. so The second is levisomol. Now this is a veterinary drug for killing parasites and worms in animals. And this can cause a life-threatening blood disorder, which in turn directly affects your immune system and your body's ability to make white blood cells. The third is heroin. So you may have heard of heroin before, it is an opioid, and this will be discussed in a episode soon. And heroin can result in drowsiness, loss of consciousness, difficulty breathing, and your skin can also turn blue. So, before we get into the immediate effects of cocaine, it's of course important to understand that you genuinely have no idea what you are putting into your body when you take this drug. It could be cut with literally anything. And if you are someone that has a pre existing condition, maybe a heart problem or something like that, the effects can be extremely dangerous. It's also really, really dangerous if you're mixing this drug with other stimulant drugs like ecstasy or ice. And just remembering, as I said in my previous episode over and over again, drugs affect everyone differently. Another point of cocaine is that it is very expensive. So according to the Australian Institute of Criminology, one gram of cocaine costs upwards of $250 with prices reaching $450 for one gram in Sydney recently. So not only is it very risky, it's also not cheap, especially in Australia. Let's talk about the effects of cocaine. So, when cocaine is snorted, it produces an intense rush with the purity or the amount of the drug taken determining the intensity of this rush. So, purity means whether it's mixed or cut or whether it is pure cocaine. This rush doesn't last very long either, it's about 30 to 45 minutes. So, you need quite a bit to sustain you. So some immediate effects of cocaine include dilated or enlarged pupils, increased heart rate and blood pressure, increased breathing rate and body temperature. You may find you have a lot of energy, you're quite talkative, confident, you get that euphoric kind of feeling. You can also experience anxiety, irritability, agitation and aggression. You can become quite paranoid or experience that, you know, suspicious, scared feeling. You can get headaches, dizziness, nausea, you can vomit. It can also cause insomnia. So that means that you struggle to sleep. And lastly, it can also cause psychosis, which is a severe mental illness. It's also very common to experience something called a comedown. Now a comedown is when you have low moods, you may experience depression or you know, cravings for the drug the next day, or when the drug starts to wear off. So this can cause you to feel quite uncomfortable. You can feel lethargic. So this means you've got no motivation, no energy. Uh, You can become irritable. uh, You can experience that paranoia. If you are addicted to cocaine or dependent on the drug, you may experience these kind of unpleasant come down symptoms for longer, but I will discuss this in a bit. So, of course, you can definitely overdose on cocaine. And it's really important to notice the effects or know kind of what to look for in a cocaine overdose. So, when someone is overdosing on cocaine, they may experience tremors or muscle twitches. Uh, they may become nauseous or start to vomit. They might have a fast and weak heartbeat or a high temperature. They could start to have seizures. In quite severe cases, overdosing on cocaine can lead to stroke, which can, of course, lead to death. It's really, really important that If you are somewhere and you are worried about either yourself or you are worried about a friend or someone that you're with, always call triple zero, never ever leave the person alone. Uh, If they are vomiting or anything, it's also important to put them on their side, never lie them on their back just in case they do vomit and always keep an eye on their breathing. I will put up a little video on something called the recovery position. I'll put this up on my Instagram. Of course, it's very hard to explain over a podcast, but once this is out, I will put that up just showing kind of the correct position to put someone in if they are kind of vomiting and are unconscious and things like that. The next part I'm going to go through is a little bit sciencey, but that's fine. I'll break it down as best as I can. So how does cocaine actually affect the brain? Cocaine produces its psychoactive and addictive effects by acting on the brain's limbic system. Now, if you listened to last episode, you might remember me talking about something called the nucleus accumbens. Now the nucleus accumbens are a part of the limbic system. And when we experience that high feeling or that euphoric feeling, it's our nucleus accumbens that produces those feelings of pleasure and satisfaction. So basically our limbic system is a set of interconnected regions in our brain that regulate our pleasure and our motivation. So the initial high that is experienced as a result of using cocaine occurs because of the buildup of the neurochemical called dopamine. Now some of us may recognize this word dopamine, it is known as our happy hormone. So dopamine plays a vital role in the way that we experience or feel reward and pleasure. It's also responsible for our emotional responses. Now, dopamine acts as a pace setter for many nerve cells in the brain. So this means that at every moment, dopamine is responsible for keeping those cells operating at, I guess, the appropriate levels of activity so that we can fulfill our needs. So when you use cocaine, a buildup of dopamine causes that euphoric feeling and increases the desire to take the drug again. Now, I know this might sound a little bit confusing initially, but I will break it down further. And to do this, we're going to look at something called the dopamine pathway. So what is the dopamine pathway? Dopamine stems from a set of brain cells called the dopaminergic or dopamine-making cells. So that makes sense. (laughs) Dopamine comes from dopamine-making cells. Now these dopamine-making cells will launch dopamine molecules into the brain and these kind of dopamine molecules float around and then they latch onto receptor proteins on other cells, which are called receiving cells. So the dopamine molecules latch onto the receiving cells. Now once attached or once they latch on, dopamine gets to work by stimulating the receptors on these receiving cells to alter their electrical impulses and therefore their functions. Now obviously this depends on what the body needs at the time. So to ensure everything in the brain is functioning properly so you know the levels are not too high or not too low of certain things the dopamine making cells continuously increase or decrease the number of dopamine molecules that they launch. So they're continuously determining how many dopamine molecules are getting launched out into the brain. So how does cocaine come into this? Cocaine interferes with this process by tying up the dopamine transporter. So it stops that decrease in that process, meaning that there is a constant increase of dopamine or a buildup of dopamine, which overactivates those receiving cells. With the continuous up, up, up of dopamine, once the drug wears off and the system then crashes and can level back to normal, it can cause people to become depressed, anxious, panicky, or feel those really intense feelings that you get when you experience a come down. We're halfway through the episode, and that means that it's time for a brain break. Take 30 seconds now to reset, recharge, and breathe. Okay, let's get back into it. So we're going to move on now to look at the long-term effects of cocaine use. So research from the science and practice perspectives found that despite there needing to be further research to understand how long-term effects create addiction to the drug, We do know that cocaine affects the brain in many ways. Now, some of the effects, like we touched on before, can kind of revert quickly back to normal. It doesn't affect us for the long term. However, other effects can persist for weeks after the drug leaves the brain, and with kind of repeated use or repeated exposure to the drug, those short-term and medium-term effects can last for months, years, or they can sometimes become irreversible. So, some long-term effects include continuously feeling run down, you can have a lower sex drive, you can experience insomnia where you can't sleep, you may have sound and light sensitivity, you can lose brain cells, You can experience sinus problems. So this can include uh, a blocked or a runny nose, nosebleeds or damage to the nasal septum. Some people can also lose their sense of smell. And this is of course, because you snort this drug generally. You can experience dependency and addiction. You can experience uh, serious lung conditions like bronchitis, long-term damage to the heart by clogging major arteries, which can lead to heart attacks. Uh, And this is also not possible to predict, so this can happen to occasional users as well. You can also experience kidney failure, uh, and there is a higher risk of seizures and strokes as well. So once again, as I touched on earlier, because cocaine is a drug that is often cut or mixed, you genuinely do not know what you are putting into your body, and you do not know how this drug is going to affect you. Moving on now, we're going to talk about withdrawal or dependency and addiction. So it is absolutely possible to become addicted to or dependent on cocaine, uh, particularly if a person uses it a lot or quite regularly. So when you use cocaine a lot, you can develop a tolerance to it. And this means that you need to take the drug more often to achieve the same desired effects or feel that euphoric high feeling. So to help us understand this addiction or dependency to cocaine, I'm going to talk about something called the cocaine addiction cycle. So there is a fine line between using drugs recreationally and being dependent or addicted. So when used recreationally, so this is for leisure or for enjoyment, cocaine can bring on mental illness like depression, anxiety, or panic disorders. You can also overdose on cocaine, which of course, as I stated before, can be fatal. Now, this cocaine addiction cycle covers the basic repeatable patterns seen in those who use cocaine and in those who develop cocaine addiction. So it outlines the way that destructive patterns can evolve without a user's conscious knowledge. So this is because of the toxic effects of cocaine on the brain and interestingly, it's also outlined by cocaine being a drug that isn't taken consistently. So there's usually periods of compulsive consumption, so you use it heaps and then it is paired with periods of complete abstinence, so you don't use it at all. So there are five main stages of this cocaine addiction cycle. So the first stage involves the actual use of the cocaine or consumption of the cocaine. So this, for most people who are using it recreationally, occurs on the weekend. So maybe you've got a party, you've got a festival, you're just going out. Generally, that is going to occur on a weekend. So the second stage is called the early crash. So this usually occurs on the same night or the next day after using cocaine, uh, and it involves craving the drug, having anxiety of having no more of the drug, and those feelings can be quite intense. The third stage is called the late crash. So this is the come down stage that we talked about before, where you feel quite fatigued, you don't really feel like doing anything, you can feel a bit depressed, you can have low moods, things like that. So the fourth stage is called the between binges stage. And this usually occurs about 48 hours after the last cocaine binge or the last time that you used cocaine. And this is when a person can experience improving mood. They maybe have a more positive outlook on life. And this is also usually where people promise that they're not going to do the drug again. So whether that's the next weekend, whether that's forever, uh, this is when people you know, start to feel themselves again and therefore have a bit of motivation not to use the drug again. The fifth stage is the drug seeking stage. And this usually occurs about four to five days later. And this is where a person craves the drug again. They, you know, can't go a weekend without doing it again. Some people may experience something called pre-cocaine jitters, where you have a dry mouth, you have a racing pulse, you have sweaty palms, just thinking about taking the drug. This is also where people rationalize taking it again. So, you know, they might say, oh, well, only have a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to do it next weekend," uh, and things like that. So as we can see here, I'm not saying that, of course, everyone who uses cocaine recreationally is necessarily addicted or is dependent on it, But you can see with this cycle that even people who use it recreationally, they may experience this kind of cycle where if they're taking it on the weekend, they experience a crash, you know, the night that they took it or the next day. They then go through a come down, it gets to, you know, Monday or Tuesday and they start feeling quite positive again. Uh, And then, you know, four to five days later, we're at the weekend again. And that's when people are likely to crave the drug again. Now, looking at withdrawal for people who are seriously addicted to this drug, this can usually start six to 12 hours after the last use. And there are three defined phases of the withdrawal phase. The first is the crash phase. So this is feeling fatigued, flat or low mood. You've got, you know, you're sleeping a lot more. You have reduced cravings. The second is the withdrawal phase. So this is when the energy levels and mood are extremely changeable. Cravings can occur, they can experience disturbed sleep Uh, have bad dreams, trouble concentrating. Anxiety is also common in this phase. And these symptoms can last several weeks as a person is coming off this drug. The third is the extinction phase. So this is the persistence of the withdrawal features, and they are gradually subsiding over this time. This can take several months for some people if they are coming off addiction to cocaine it's important to remember that cocaine is a very unpredictable drug. So toxic or fatal reactions occur regardless of the amount that is used, whether it's your first time, whether you're a regular user, it doesn't matter. And once again, like cannabis, like I talked about in the previous episode, mixing alcohol and cocaine increases the likelihood of people experiencing those fatal reaction. So this can include neurovascular or cardiovascular problems. However, of course, if you do decide to try this drug, it is important to know how to reduce the risks. Now this includes things such as going slow, so only using a bit at a time before you start taking more, not mixing cocaine with other drugs, particularly stimulant drugs or alcohol, only using cocaine with people that you trust and making sure that you keep an eye on your mates if you are ever going to inject cocaine or crack cocaine never sharing needles as this increases uh, your likelihood of contracting a bloodborne virus such as HIV or hepatitis C making sure you eat in the you know the days afterwards even if you don't feel like it taking a break from time to time. If you are someone that goes out and parties a lot, and that's something that you just want to do, making sure that you give yourself a break and making sure that if something does go wrong and things get bad, you call an ambulance or you get help. So of course in Australia, that number is triple zero. And I'm just going to remind you that you will never get into trouble for asking for help. Ambulance officers are not police officers and do not necessarily have to call the police. It is always better to get help from professional people who are there to help you than try and fix the problem on your own just because you're scared of the consequence. If you find yourself in a situation where someone that you're with is hurt, someone that you're with is vomiting or you know experiencing those kinds of overdose effects that we touched on before, Always, always, always get help straight away. So moving on now to talk about that kind of party culture, drinking culture that we have here in Australia that often pushes people into drug use. So cocaine addiction normally begins by using on the weekends or at social functions, just like I kind of touched on before when we talked about the cocaine addiction cycle. Now this can turn into using every weekend or every payday, and then people can find themselves using every morning just to get out of bed. Now may find themselves thinking about it every weekend or having a few drinks and then automatically turning to cocaine or other drugs. Now, it's important to remember that this is not necessarily a mistake or a coincidence. You have probably lost more control than you know, and your body begins to crave the drug. This is what the drug does to your brain. Some people might even promise themselves on the Monday while coming down that they won't do it again the next weekend. And all it takes is for someone to say, hey, let's go out. And all of a sudden you're in exactly the same cycle, or you are following that cocaine addiction cycle that I touched on earlier. As I spoke about earlier, I thought people who took drugs when I was young were only addicts. So now as I've grown up, I understand that people take it as, you know, fun. It's fun. It's a good time. It's something to do on the weekends with your friends. And of course, when people are choosing to use recreational illegal drugs, that is why they do it because they think that it's fun. They think, you know, maybe it's an escape, things like that. However, if you recognize that you are wanting the drug, regardless of the consequences, this can be a sign of dependency and addiction. If this drug is causing you to put aside other important things in your life, if it's affecting your social life, if you're getting up in the morning and that's what you're thinking about, this is a pretty clear sign that you may have dependency or addiction to this drug. Now, in Australia, drinking and partying are a part of social acceptance. We pretty much have any excuse to get drunk or take drugs. And this can be birthdays, weddings, sporting matches, music festivals, anything. According to the SBS Cultural Atlas on Australia, which is a website that lets people know about the culture of us in Australia. We pride ourselves so much on our partying, drinking, having a good time culture that severe inebriation or getting wasted has become a point of pride. So it's safe to say that going out and getting drunk here has been normalized for years and now in our younger demographic so is taking drugs. Music events and festivals, particularly day partying, has become increasingly popular over the years. And this means that people are partying for longer and therefore have to stay awake for longer. Cue drugs such as cocaine to help with this. They keep you awake, they keep you energized, they keep you up for longer. And we know recreational drug use was around back in our parents' day. You know, we know that this isn't the start of cocaine use. However, According to the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, for young people in their 20s, cocaine use is at its highest level it's been since 2001. So currently 12% of people aged 20 to 29 have recently used cocaine. So that means that they've used cocaine within the last year. And the normalization and the social acceptance of this kind of behavior, of going out and getting wasted, of going out and snorting cocaine all weekend doesn't mean that it's okay, doesn't mean that it's safe, or doesn't mean that it should even be classified as normal. And of course, you didn't really talk about this in the classroom at school. It was that very, it's illegal, don't take it approach. And that's not working evidently, because as I stated, young people in their 20s are using cocaine more than ever before. It's really, really popular. So we need to talk about the ways to, number one, reduce the risk if you do decide to take this illegal drug. Number two, know the symptoms and the signs of overdose and know how to help your mates. And number three, know how to recognize this kind of addiction or these kinds of cycles and understand how to help your friends if you think that they are in this kind of cycle. And that is what I'm going to talk to you about right now. So if you find yourself in a situation where you may feel like your friends are doing drugs like cocaine every weekend, partying every weekend, maybe a friend has begun to snort cocaine midweek, it's important to be able to recognize this in order to help this person or these people. So maybe you've listened to this episode and thought, wow, this is actually an issue for my mate or in my friendship group. There is nothing wrong with standing up and being the person to say, hey, I think we might be developing more of a habit than we realize. It's all right to be the person in your group, to talk to your friends about it. In this day and age, I think we are all learning to be a bit more open with ourselves and with our friends, with all this, you know, everything that's going on with mental health at the moment. We constantly talk about checking in with our mates. But I don't think there's a conversation happening about drugs yet. And we know cocaine increases mental health conditions. This is all linked If you care about your friends, if you care about yourself and you care about the mental health of the people around you, there is nothing wrong with speaking up. If you're worried about a friend, if you're worried about yourself, be the one to create a change. And I know sometimes this is easier said than done because even when people know they have a drug problem, it can be really difficult for them to change their habits or to recognize that there is an issue in the first place. If you are someone who is worried about a friend or family member's drug abuse, it's important to talk to the people around you that you trust or consult a professional and get some advice on how to approach the issue with them. So This can be as simple as letting the person know that you're there to support them and providing them with other options of support too. It's also really important to be patient, be understanding, and encourage them with any changes that they make. And remember that addiction is a disease, and it's important to take care of yourself as well as the person that you are supporting. So, if cocaine use is starting to affect the things that matter to you your mental health, your well being, your friendships. The best thing you can do is reach out and talk to someone. I will post the headspace fact sheet on my Instagram for more information. Or as always, for 24-7 crisis support regarding substance abuse, misuse, or addiction, call Lifeline on 131114. That is all from me for this topic. Thank you so much for listening in. I hope you learned something and feel more informed about the use and risks of cocaine. Remember drugs affect everyone differently. If you did learn something and would like to follow me on Instagram, I am at The Health Classes You Missed. Stay safe and I'll be back in your ears very soon. See you later.